Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. As we begin our salute to House, we're patching up House 1 with the Amityville Horror. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I'm glad it works. I'm assuming we'll hear fireworks slash gunfire slash drumming your fingers on the table. I, so here's the thing my my game that i play on sunday we use the laptop i took the laptop piled blankets underneath it and set it on that mm. and it was still picking up that sound no so was it's it? not something that was carrying through the table i don't know what the fuck it is <laughs> it was so weird because like you weren't even in the room like i don't know have you listened to this week's episode no no, well, I left in a part after we took our break, and then you left, and me and Doug were sitting here just talking, and then all of a sudden it started, and there's a moment where we're just like, "What the fuck is going on? Is that like, is that gunfire? Is that, is that fireworks? What is it?" And then when you came back in, like you weren't even in the room, so I don't know what it was picking up. Yeah, yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, yeah, I got, I got nothing. Weird. Electrical interference of some kind. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it is the return of the podcast ghost from the uh, last horrorcast days. Yeah. So how was you guys this week? Better than yours. Yeah. yeah I think I have an ingrown fingernail. Dude, those <laughs> suck. <laughs> Yeah, me and Doug didn't have our honeymoons canceled. Yeah. Fucking goddamn 2020 <laughs> motherfucking <laughs> bullshit. I really thought I was home free. I was like, oh, well, you know, it's a month out. They're not going to cancel it now. Where were you going? I was going on a cruise to Mexico. Yeah. I know it's not pleasant to have it canceled, but... I think it's, this is a winning situation. If they cancel it, you get to not go to Mexico, not get the coronavirus, and not pay for your trip. But, don't but it. Mex- Mexico, has a, Mexico has a lower infection rate than the United 
States, so technically I'd be safer there. Yeah, but is it going to be all Mexicans on this cruise ship? That's true. Or is it going to be a bunch of American assholes chanting about how even on the open seas they're entitled to their rights not to wear a mask? It'll. I was going to say it'll be fine. There, I basically get full credit toward another cruise, and then on top of that, they're giving us three hundred dollars and onboard spending cash, basically. Yeah, and you get to go. Which means I'm all good drunk as fuck. (laughs) I'm sure Shara will appreciate that. She has to drag Noah back to their back to their cabin. Yeah, but now it's one of those things. Now we're trying to like figure out what to do because now it's so late that we can't change our like time off requests at work. You know what I mean? There's only two months left in the year. Yeah. Um, well, I can give you a piece of advice, I guess. Me and Amanda What's didn't that? really have a proper honeymoon. Um, but on our year anniversary, we went down to Southern Illinois and stayed in a cabin for a couple of days. You don't, have to, you don't have to brag about Southern Illinois. No, like trust me. It's fucking Trump country. So don't, don't, uh, get too Oof. excited. Um, but they had some nice cabins you could stay at and garden, garden of the gods, which I don't know if you've ever been to is not too far away. Yeah. Johnny national forest. Yeah. So, I mean, that's somewhat cheap and not too far away from you, but it's a cabin where you don't have to interact with other people. Yeah. We're trying to figure it out. It's we're somewhere between right now. My parents have a timeshare, and they're willing to give us some other points to go stay oh. somewhere, but but because everything shut down, I don't like I don't know where yeah. to go. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what we're talking about doing now is maybe just doing a road trip and like driving down to like Mammoth Cave or something, and then my aunt lives in Nashville. I'll go see her and don't get too crazy now. Yeah. Twenty twenty. It's fucking year. So what would you do on your honeymoon? I went to my aunt's house. Well, <laughs> let me tell you a little story that's called 2020. It's going to be an interesting year to explain to people later. Like, you know when you get those calendars, like the year you were born? Imagine kids that are born this year. You're like turning 21 and your parents are like, hey, look it, we got you this calendar to remember the year you were born. I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck? And I'm like, that's why we waited until you were 21. You had to be old enough to read this shit. <laughs> the movie the movie dropping off of uh, Prime whenever I was half done with it is like, <laughs> throw a fucking brick through a window. <laughs> I can't, I cannot describe to you how angry I was about like the rest of it. I'm taking it in stride and it's traumatic and I'm just absorbing it. But that, that thing was like a motherfucker. <laughs> That's the thing that makes you go into a rage mode and start breaking shit around your house. Shar's like, what's I'm, the matter? I'm, the honeymoon will be fine. He's like, it's not about the honeymoon. They took Amityville horror off of Amazon prime. It's just while I was halfway through it, man, <laughs> I'd have to move twice. <laughs> Like it's not big, that big of a deal, Noah. Jeez, calm down. I was halfway done. Oh, well, we'll continue then. <laughs> well, I've told I've told people that for a long time. I've always been like that, uh, uh, especially like when my depression and stuff would flare up. It wasn't the big things. The big things I can like brace myself for, and I'm just like, oh, yep, that's about what's supposed to happen. And then something dumb and little happens, so I'm like, fuck. <laughs> 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 
that's exactly how I am, so I understand. <sighs> I, uh, I find if little things like if the internet stops working for half an hour, I will lose my mind, even though I'm perfectly capable of just existing without it. I know, because I did it for like 20 years before I regularly had internet. <laughs> but right. it's just those little things just push you over the edge. Oh, yeah. I was watching, I was watching a movie the, the other night, and it would buffer a couple times. And each time I'm just like, come on, you motherfucking piece of shit. You know, yelling at my TV at like one in the morning. No reason. <laughs> Gotta wait eight seconds for this to catch back up. Right. This is nonsense. Voodoo is always the one that gets me because I'll rent a movie. And for some reason, if I rent a movie, I get about halfway through and then it starts having buffering issues. And it's like downgrading to standard. And I'm like, no, I paid for HD. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I just started renting stuff in SD from now on. Right. Save that dollar. Exactly. Good lord. <laughs> we have the whitest of white people problems. Sure do. My cruise is canceled. My movie's buffering. <laughs> Listen, you can only live the life that you have. Not somebody else. I'm sure I'm sure there's way worse things in the world. Like being in a war torn country in Africa. But I have no frame of reference to that, so I don't know how to <laughs> yeah, I mean, process them deals. Technically, we don't know if it's not great to be in a war-torn country in Africa. We've never tried it. So right. it might be awesome. No way to tell. What if you uh, per- knowingly purchased a haunted house and then moved into it? That'd be, that would that'd be pretty dope. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's not technically haunted. It's yeah. just on a hell of I sure. mean, in this particular case, what if you moved into a house and then moved out of a house and then made up a story to write a book to make a bunch of money and then people took it way too seriously and they made five billion movies out of it? Well, just, <laughs> <laughs> just because I want to hear how you explain the second half, Noah, why don't you tell us all about the Amityville Horror? Uh, so Amityville Horror is uh, the shitty exorcist. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we can all agree on that, right? That's it's just a longer, worse version of The Exorcist. There's even an old priest and a young priest. <laughs> I was actually going to say it's a nice companion piece to The Exorcist. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, if a family moves in, they get quote fingers haunted, even though it's really more like possession, I suppose. There is a ghost pig. Don't be leaving Jody out. Yeah, yeah. Shit gets worse and worse. Sad dad starts getting assholey. Kids, kids getting fucked with, <laughs> and and then it ends like all these movies end. <laughs> with some random ad hoc thing of we've got to do this to stop the house. Yeah, Amityville. These theirs was. Hey, how about we just leave and not come back? And that seemed to work. For this family, right. anyway. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should move away. You know what? <laughs> That's so crazy. Just might work. To be fair, the Although house was this, really expensive, this, and they couldn't. Yeah, they really, couldn't really, really expensive. But that house cost them eighty thousand dollars. Can yeah. you believe it? But that's 1978 money. It's on a, on the waterfront with a boathouse and a guest house. Fucking eighty grand! I was pissed. I'm like, I'd put up with some ghosts. There's a hell mouth for that. <laughs> What's I was the just gonna say, although this 
Amityville does have one of the most fantastic uh, haunted house scenes of all time. The weird one where the priest is in the bathroom and he just gets assaulted by a bajillion flies. <laughs> That's a really weird one. It sticks with you, though. I actually it it's such a uh, a noteworthy scene that sometimes I forget it was in this movie and I think it was in The Exorcist because <laughs> I'm like that's the one that has all the rememberable parts in it. Yeah. All right, so I just looked it up on an inflation calculator. Okay. Supposedly in 1978, eighty thousand dollars was the equivalent today. Of $319,000. That's still an excellent deal for that house. <laughs> if, I wanted to, if I wanted to sell my semi-detached suburban home tomorrow for 319000 I probably wouldn't have to put up a for sale sentence. So. Mm. And I do not have any water for it. Wow. Listen to Doug living in the fancy neighborhood. It's not... not Those are... Those are Canadian dollars, though, so don't trust his inflation. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. So what did everybody think of, of Amityville? Doesn't sound like I Noah mean, liked it. Well, no, so, so here's the thing. Amityville is not by any means like a terrible movie. It's just... They're doing a thing that's been done in other movies much, much better. Sure. And, and, and so that puts it in a weird spot where it kind of just makes this a meh movie. And it's too long. It is very long. It's two hours. And the family. It doesn't need to be. I was going to say, and and the family that this movie's based off of are fucking con artists, and I hate them. Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't. I don't care about the real life story. We can get into that after the movie itself. I like, I'm surprised how critical you guys are being of it. This is actually, um, like a first time watch for me or a first time in so long that I couldn't remember anything. Okay. And I got sucked right into it. I I love the atmosphere. I thought the performances were great. I thought there was some like, like that scene with the priest is, it's a really well executed scene. I think there's a number of moments like that where it's just, you can just see these people kind of falling apart, even though you're not really sure what the hell is happening. Cause all it is is a bunch of flies showing up or whatever. Uh, I was super happy with this movie. Hmm. Yeah. It's okay. It's not as good as the exorcist. That's fair, but not many movies are. So that's not a really, a, I thought it, it captured that kind of late seventies horror atmosphere that I really like. Hmm. I don't know. I, uh, I did I, not yeah. find it way too long at all. Yeah, like I said, it's it's not a bad movie, and I don't want anybody to get the impression that I think this is a bad movie. It's it's a perfectly fine movie. It's just too long, and there are better versions of it. So this one tends to drag a little bit. Yeah, see, I just didn't find that. I'm like I'm wondering if there's something specific that you found that dragged. Mm, something about that two-hour ticket on this yeah. fucking film. <laughs> Well, how do you know? You only saw an hour of it. (laughs) (laughs) Even that was too long. But I think that's just... It's not like this was a first-time watch. I've seen this movie, I don't know, four or five times. Yeah. Because I I think it's maybe a question of the era that it came out in, because movies in the 70s were longer and slower, and I like that. You know, I'm a huge fan of that style of filmmaking. And I think maybe... That's why I wouldn't have had the problem with the length and wouldn't have gotten bored. Um, yeah, I mean, I do feel like it is a little long than longer than it needs to be. 
Um, I think some of the stuff going back and forth with the priests, like five times, that doesn't really seem to do anything. Um, she's like constantly calling, and then, oh, this priest is sick. He can't come to the phone right now. And repeat yeah. like three more times, and then have her actually show up and then just leave. Doesn't really seem to add a whole lot, but. It doesn't, but what I like about the style of filmmaking is it makes everything feel, I don't know, broader and more, sure. more real. You know what I mean? Like, by by having a. Like, we spend that time with the priest interacting with his superiors in the church and all that. And you're sort of like, okay, like, it makes him into a person rather than just a guy that shows up when it's convenient story wise. If that makes any sense. Sure. And it, it kind of like delves into how like the politics of the church are preventing this guy from doing the good he wants to do, which is, mm-hmm. it doesn't go so far into that to make the movie about that, but it just kind of gives you context. Uh, I, I like the way it was all handled. I was going to say, plus it gives you the chance to have the, the sweet scene of the ghost randomly attacking the preacher's car for no fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't driving back here, bitch. I'm opened in your hood. That part was weird because it just felt a little uh, like I actually enjoyed watching it. I thought it was like kind of fun. The idea that the ghost took over the car and he, they were, couldn't control it and shit. And you see both priests like reef it on the steering wheel and stuff. But uh, I don't understand how it works because the ghost is in the house and the car is not in the house. I don't really understand how the ghost takes control of the car. Yeah. So yeah if, the, uh, if the solution at the end is the family just leaves... Why is that a solution if the ghost can go out and yeah, make people's like, cars, why, Rick? Why did the family moving in kind of trigger all of this? And why did the previous family also have issues and all that? Yeah. So. Well, we're going to find out because Amityville 2 is pretty much a prequel. Although oh, it, is is it? Not, it is not stated that in the movie. But the story that they use is the exact story from what happened before they moved in. So Okay. Because actually, like... That's the one thing, like, if, if I could have made this movie, what I would have changed is I would have spent the first, you know, half hour of the running time on that first story. Yeah. Do like a do like a psycho thing where you're following this family a little bit, and then all of a sudden, fuck, they're all fucking dead, guy goes to jail, and then the real story is about this new family moving in, which I think would have been super fun. Yeah. Because I enjoyed, like, the flashbacks of this guy just shooting his children in the face and stuff. That's always fun. <laughs> Don't get any ideas, Doug. <laughs> I really like the fact that this film has the, the good old classic thing where the ghost in the house actually goes, Get out! <laughs> I love that moment. I'm like, that That to me was like, I, is this where it comes from? It shows up in a lot of, like, parody films and stuff. Is this the first time it was used? I I think oh, there's no. a couple black and white movies that that happens, but I'm not, oh, really? not, not 100% sure. So it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, I know, like, it has happened in movies since, but I was trying to think of an exact example before 79 or oh. whatever, and I couldn't, but... I don't know. I think that part comes from the book. Okay. You know, like, a voice told me to get out or whatever. I read the book, like, forever ago. Like, like when I was, like, 11 or something. So I don't really remember a whole lot about it. But um, one thing I did find on this watch, um, I do feel like it's an okay movie. Um, Like, it's fine. I got no real problem with the story. 
but I feel like it would be a pretty run-of-the-mill haunted house story, if not for the look of the house. I feel like that adds a lot to this movie. Those fucking weird windows that look like eyes and all yeah. that other stuff. I feel like the reason we have an Amityville franchise is because of what the house looks like. That makes sense. It is a creepy looking house and it's just, it's odd. Like, I don't know. It doesn't look like a normal house that you would expect to see just a family living in, but it's also not like a, like a classic Victorian style or anything that, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. a weird looking house. Yeah. It's a very specific look. Like I think of other haunted house stories and I have I no recollection of what their house looks like usually. But you say Amityville house, everybody knows everybody what it looks knows, like. Yeah. And you're right, the eyes, the windows kind of form eyes and it gives it kind of a personality that mm-hmm. is just weird. Well, and but part of that is the fact that uh, every version of this movie ever has had the house on the cover and the poster art in the... Oh, totally. Yeah, and all the I mean, sequels and yeah it's kind of six of one half dozen of the other though if the house wasn't iconic it wouldn't have shown up everywhere else right like it yeah, yeah. Creep, creepy house and clever marketing yeah so, yeah I, I think the, the real key to this is the performance from uh, James Brolin I think that's what really sells the movie to me uh-huh. I think that if if he was not good in this movie then it I think it would drag on and be really bad, but I think he does a really good job and they use just the right amount of like makeup on him. So it looks like he's just like deteriorating without kind of going overboard with it. Oh no. On Instagram, you said it was going to be hard to see anybody, but Ryan Reynolds in the role of George (laughs) Lutz. That was me being sarcastic. Uh, Oh, okay. Just, you actually tagged Ryan Reynolds in it. So I didn't know. Yeah. You're being serious. (laughs) You never know with that guy. It's always worth tagging him because he might answer. <laughs> He's he a Canadian aim. treasure. I can't believe you were uh, harassing Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with tagging the occasional celebrity in your post just in case. <laughs> <laughs> it's from one Canadian to another, Noah, so it's yeah. okay. He would understand my friendly jab. <laughs> Plus, he doesn't care what I think of him for sure. Cause... <laughs> it's like I'll go to sleep with my big pile of money and cry about it. <laughs> you think he doesn't care just because he's a uber wealthy, very attractive man who can have any woman that he wants at any moment? And the woman that he does have is super attract his super attractive wife, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be let everybody know that he used to bang Scarlett Johansson, so. Yeah, yeah. probably. He's still universally adored as well, which is important, I think, to him. He seems to, he seems to enjoy <laughs> having all the people just fawn over him constantly and tell him how great he is. Well, he, he does have that. He uh, Canadian. He does have that, uh, I'm going to make jokes to make people love me sort of uh, personality, so. Yeah. Anyways, that's not the movie we're reviewing. We can get to that one at another time if you guys like. Uh, Who's who's a better Canadian, Ryan Reynolds or Alan Thicke? Definitely Ryan Reynolds because Alan Thicke gave us Robin Thicke and he's a horrible person. 
<laughs> Come on, man. Alan Thicke's dead. Leave him alone. <laughs> he was good, though, for putting up with Kirk Cameron's bullshit, though, on growing pains towards the end. So. He, used, he used that Canadian patience. Yeah. I feel like the relationship between those two is the same as the relationship between Canada and the U.S. Like, look, get, we get it. You're the bigger one. You make the more money. But for fuck's sake, you're being a I love Jesus! Oh, good lord, Kirk. Come on. All right. Amityville um, Horror. <laughs> did you guys, in the beginning of the movie, did you guys think that the priest was being a bit of a little bitch? Because he goes in there to bless the house, and then there's, like, an actual ghost in there, so he runs the fuck out and just runs away. At first, I'm like, what the hell? It's like if a fireman came in your house to check your your uh, fire extinguishers and then there's an actual fire so he just fucking bolts <laughs> <laughs> nice it's funny yeah he didn't seem to put up much of a fight it was, it was, I just thought it was funny thing. and then when he kept trying to fight to come back I'm like alright he's redeeming himself here <laughs> oh. I don't know I don't know if I have much to say about this movie did you guys think it was weird that every now and again they took Margot Kidder and dressed her up like a teenage girl? Like, at one point they put her in like the schoolgirl uniform with the kilt and the white blouse. Another time they just had the pigtails on her for some reason. Like, I'm yeah, pretty sure she's supposed to be playing an adult in this. Yeah, I was going to say the pigtails are unpleasant. Oh, that's I don't know wrong. what it is. Something about her being like her face is old, but she has like <laughs> the frame of a younger person. <laughs> And those pigtails, I'm like, mm, I don't like that. <laughs> I do like the scene where the husband walks in and she's wearing the white thing and the, uh, the underwear. That's pretty dope. That'd be called That's a hot. shirt. That's a hot lady. Well, she's <laughs> no, she's wearing like a like a shaw and panties. I thought it was just a button-up shirt that was unbuttoned. That's that was the impression I got too. But really, I thought it was like a teddy or something. It looked kind of see-throughish. No, I think it's just the 70s and people sometimes wear see-through-ish stuff. <laughs> Either way, hot. Not disagreeing. And then they put her, and then they dress her up like a schoolgirl, and it's like, no. <laughs> Weird. I was going to say, you have multiple Catholic priests in this movie. You don't need any other allusions <laughs> to people being attracted to children. <laughs> Boom. Well, I mean, we sort of got the reverse when we see James Brolin and his tidy whiteies later. Also kind of hot. <laughs> I found that super weird when he had that big sweater on. And then the, <laughs> they didn't have boxer shorts yet in 79. <laughs> uh, he's like, it wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be authentic to my character. Very method yeah. actor. Like, I sleep in a long sleeve shirt, but yeah, totally just go without pants. <laughs> Did you guys notice that, like, as the movie went on, like, when he, as he became more and more unkempt, he just reminded me more, more of Charles Manson. I'm like, I wonder if that's intentional. It seems like that would be intentional. Beard kept getting bushier and less combed, and that hair, same thing. Yeah. Hmm. What about the part where the ghost just steals 1500 bucks from him? <laughs> <laughs> what a dick move. That ghost don't need money <laughs> for nothing. He just didn't need it. He's just trying to ruin their wedding. Or their cousin's wedding, or who the fuck that guy was. I just like that they totally find the band that was wrapped around it later. Yeah. Just, just the ghost just wants to let them know. 
It's like, yeah, I took your bitch money. What are you going to do about it? Ghost style. That's... You know, who they should have had come exercise the house. Ghost dog? Ghost dog, because he wouldn't put up with that Ghost bullshit. Ghost dog! Because <laughs> <laughs> they're off the fucking rails this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, the ghost says get out, and then fucking, he just hits him with a katana. Ghost dog! <laughs> <laughs> you know what scene I found effective? Was What's the that? one where the... The one where the babysitter with the headgear on gets locked in the bathroom or whatever, or the closet, closet. Or where she was locked yeah. in and couldn't get out. And she's just screaming. And I like that. I like when the parents came home and they let her out and then James Froling keeps trying the door. <laughs> I found that was kind of funny. <laughs> I like that they yelled at the kid too. I'm like, this is back when parents were parents. Like, what the fuck? Why didn't you let her out? <laughs> but I thought like she, that that actress did a good job of just playing panicked and I like that little touch of like her knuckles were all bloody from pounding on the door so much and stuff I thought that was a really effective scene I, I like this movie a lot more than you guys did I think yeah like I said I've seen it before and I've even seen the sequels that we're going to be doing coming up see that's uh, where I'm going to be lost I haven't seen those so. one of them I've seen within the past couple seen. months so, so we're going to get to the one with Patty Duke and the uh Haunted I, know I've, I know I've seen two, and I know I've seen 3D, but the other 20 sequels, I'm not so sure about. Uh, one of them has Aunt Becky in it, so we're going to be able to make lots of uh, college fraud jokes, so it should be good. <laughs> We've already done that. She's she's kind of a staple on this show. Stupid Aunt well, Becky. Well, I'm just saying, it's going to be a great excuse just to do more. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Um, how do we enjoy the uh, the run from the house at the end? The fucking walls start bleeding and yeah, the climax I thought was really good. I like I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, it's kind of it's it, it's again a '70s style where everything is like slow, 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 and then the last ten minutes of the movie are like holy fuck, here we go. <laughs> like that's <laughs> pretty common for that style of movie. Um, yeah. But I liked it. I liked. I thought everything looked good. I liked him having, like, the dog pulling him out of the portal to hell. It was a nice touch. Yeah. And the, he, the, he, the dog saves him, and then he comes running out carrying the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the fact that somewhere at some point somebody went, Hey, what if there's, like, a, there's like a portal to hell in the basement? <laughs> Ooh. <Yeah. laughs> Excellent visual device. <laughs> it's pretty cool. What if he breaks through the steps when he's running downstairs and just falls right into it? Ooh. <laughs> What's going to be inside of it? What if it's just black tar? All right. I think the stuntman probably took a bump or two falling through those steps. I thought that was pretty just... <laughs> uh, in, in a world before there was a... Any way to enhance that with visual effects, it's just like, we're just going to have these stairs be breakable and you run up them. <laughs> Sorry about your head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anything else you like, Doug? Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I, it was the atmosphere and the performances that got me, and that's just kind of throughout the movie. Um, you know, the, the couple of little jump scare moments were fun, but, like, when she sees the, uh, the eyes of, I guess it's supposed to be Jody outside the window, I thought that was a fun moment. But it's, yeah, it's the two lead performances, I think, that sell the movie and make it not just a cheesy long-winded nonsense 
is James Brolin and Margot Kidder. I don't know. It doesn't seem like you guys even want to talk about this movie. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of stuff to talk about, and I just have nothing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it, it's just hard to talk about. Like, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And like I said, it's a fine movie. I would totally tell somebody to watch this movie. But I would also tell that person, you probably only need to watch this movie once. And yeah. be done My one probably criticism of the movie would be the, like, the, the dad's business partner's wife or girlfriend, whoever she is, that somehow just seems to have, like, weird psychic abilities to know what's going on in the house. Yeah. Uh, that she, we could have done without her. Or at least without her having those abilities, because it just seemed weird. Didn't seem to fit in. Like, nobody else understood that there was portables to hell and shit, but she just seemed to be able to figure shit out. I wonder if she was supposed to be, like, a stand-in for uh, Lorraine Warren, who didn't come in to the house till after everything had happened? Almost certainly. Maybe. See, I think that might be another thing. I think uh, my opinion of this movie may be soured by my opinion of all the people that were involved with the actual story that inspired the movie. (laughs) Well, let's talk about it. Do you know? Do you know a lot of it? I know bits and pieces of it, but it involves the fucking Warrens who are frauds. I mean, they're just straight up frauds. Like, and I don't mean that as in all ghost hunters are frauds. No. Just the fucking Warrens. The Warrens are frauds. <laughs> like, the, other people are maybe mistaken in all that kind of stuff from my point of view, but I think they're honest. But the Warrens aren't. I feel like they make good uh, horror movie heroes, but in real life, they were, yeah, they were kind of garbage people. Well, it turns out most of the heroes in horror movies wouldn't really translate well to the real world. No. I also, I also find the strangest thing that this family who basically just made all this shit up admitted to making all this shit up, and it just keeps going. <laughs> they just keep on. <laughs> People are like, oh, did you hear this crazy story? The one that they admitted that they made it up? Yes, I've heard the story. <laughs> it's funny, though. Like, if you... If you look into it, a lot of what we think is evidence of, like, supernatural and paranormal stuff is fully made up. And the people involved, like, the famous, like, Patterson-Gimley tape of Bigfoot, fake. The people involved in making it came forward and said it was fake. That one famous shot of the Loch Ness Monster, fake. guy that took the picture said it was fake before he died. Like, it's – they literally admit these things, but somehow that gets missed in the discussion and people still just treat it like it's real evidence. And it's it's an interesting thing. Once something gets into kind of the zeitgeist of our society, we're incapable of learning that it was fake. Right. Even though the people who made it are like, yeah, yeah, I know that was fake. Why'd you do that? We thought we would make some money. And we did. <laughs> Remember that time they made 35 movies that share a name with our... Did they even get uh, a lot of that money? Oh, as far as I understand it, I I do believe they did. I don't know if they're still pulling royalties off like the remakes and stuff. Because, I mean, I eventually, eventually it stops being about their story and just becomes about a house. And can you really uh, can you really claim royalties on a house being in a movie? It's probably more about you. Can, you can claim ownership of the name. Amityville, the name of the town? I don't know. Fun fact, when I was growing up, I always assumed they took the name Amityville from... 
because of Amity being the city in Jaws. <laughs> of course, you I, did. I was just assumed they stole that, and that it, like it was later that I found out, like, oh, that it's based on a book and everything. I never bothered to look into that as a young person. Which did you see my Instagram today, Doug? Yeah, you got the Jaws box set up. Yeah, I got the Jaws two, three, and four on Blu-ray, and it says digital code on the front. And I'm like, sweet, and I open it. And it's like, well, we didn't say it was a digital code for any of the Jaws movies. The digital code for Transformers last night. I'm like, well, this is bullshit. Who the hell wants that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you go on Instagram and look, I got, they have a little, you know, box set of uh, Jaws 2, 3, and 4. Even have the making of stuff for 2 on it. I think it was like 8 bucks or something. Like, it was pretty cheap. So I picked it up. And then it says digital code on the front, like you do anytime you buy a Blu-ray. It says digital code. And when I opened it, yeah, it's it's not for any of the Jaws movies. It's totally for Transformers last night. I, like the, I the feel disc- like they should they should actually give you a discount on your box set <laughs> because one of those fucking Transformers movies is in that box. <laughs> you, should, you should get your money back and be allowed to keep everything else. Just return that. Yeah, like they have burdened you with the ownership of a digital copy of Transformers last night. Wow. You should also be getting a discount for accepting Jaws 4 alongside those other movies. Oh, I didn't have a choice. I know. Well, now we're going to be watching Jaws 4 coming up soon. Just because you said that. uh, Well, yeah, okay, we can. It's fine. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I don't know. Anything else about Amity? No, I, I liked it. I think it holds up really well. I thought the, uh, like I say, the atmosphere and the performances really work. It's that 70s kind of slow film style that I enjoy, which apparently you guys don't like as much. Uh, I do. It's just, I don't know. Like Noah says, maybe I've seen it too many times. And so I'm just kind of over it for this specific movie. Maybe. I don't know. Because you're right, it's not like it's not up there with the the greats of seventies cinema. It's not Jaws, it's not sure. The Exorcist. But that's, I think it would be a nice like if you watch the if you if you're a fan of The Exorcist, you want something to watch with it kind of thing. I think this would work. Hmm. I I think another problem might be the frame of reference on this movie. So I know for a fact the first time I saw this movie was on like USA Up All Night, hmm. and I love USA Up All Night, but. You know, the previous week I was probably watching something like The People Under the Stairs, <laughs> which is tonally very different than this movie. I don't know. They both have stairs in them. That's true. It's true. He's got you there. Do they both have uh, crazy dudes wearing a gimp mask running around with a shotgun? <laughs> no, but they exactly should. the same. <laughs> Every movie should, really. It's got James Brolin in a sweater running around with an axe. It's close, right? Yeah, it's true. It's almost the same thing. I wanted him to chop up one of those kids so bad. <laughs> I just because they they allude to it in like when the wife has the nightmare, and I'm yeah. just like, oh, I just now I want him to do it. But would have been would it have been better if okay during that nightmare during that nightmare. She bursts in. He's standing over the kid with an axe, and they're all bloody. And she's like, no. And he's like, come on, just one. We got three of them. Is that so even better? <laughs> well, they're not even his kids. He wants to chop them up. What's the big deal? That's true. Not my bullshit kids. We paid a lot for this goddamn house. We ain't got enough money to feed everybody. 
it, they're going to save money by moving his office into the guest house, Brian. That's, right. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we had an, I had another point. I completely forgot what it was. Yeah. That was one of the least on-topic conversations we've ever had about the movie. Possibly. Like I wasn't like I wasn't mad or anything that we we're going to be watching this. Like I was like, yeah, I was fine with it. I think I'm the one that came up with the pairing for it. Yeah, but I don't know. Just I was watching it. I'm like, this movie is really fucking long. And I get it. <laughs> James Brolin's like getting madder and madder as the movie goes on. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, technically that's what's happening. But... <laughs> <laughs> so you're laughing, but I'm not wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, do we want to move on to another haunted house movie? Yeah. Is 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 that what house is? Yep. Sort of. Yes. Is, no. It, no. Is it? Why not? Just, it's Amityville now with more deadites. <laughs> um. All right. So we have the greatest American hero, William Cat. He has an aunt who decides to hang herself and is found by the grocery boy. I'm sure that was awesome for minimum wage. And he decides, eh, fuck it, I'm going to move into this house and start writing my Vietnam War book. You know, something everybody wants to read. Um, and then weird shit starts happening, and we learn, apparently, his son disappeared in that very house. I don't know how long before this did they ever... Tell us an exact time, and I they missed do it. Not. No, okay. they don't. Long enough that his like wife has left him after the fact and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he goes through uh, multiple adventures with Norm from Cheers next door. Norm. <laughs> and turns out he's able to find his kid in the house somehow, and uh, they all live happily ever after. It's close, right? <laughs> A very inappropriate summation of this film. <laughs> well, because that's what I wanted to know. Dimensions. Well, what I, what I, the big question I had, because I've seen this movie like a billion times. All the right. big question I had after watching it this time, how long has it been since that kid's been missing, and how do you explain it to people when you're like, ah, oh, we found our son. Oh, really? He's been gone for four years. Why does he look exactly the same age? And, and William Cat just has to shrug his shoulders, but like, I don't know haunted house and see if people yeah. take that as an explanation well I mean okay you're you're right the <laughs> film doesn't address the social concerns associated with explaining yeah. the, how do you explain that too because technically his wife's dead or his ex-wife's dead at the end of the movie so he's she's like we not. did a little trade she's not alright she's not after all no she shows up in a cab just at the right moment yeah, it was just some demon that looked like her that got killed. Yeah, the house was tricking him, as his aunt warned him would happen. Yeah, is is the whole point of this movie not? It's so it's not like a haunted house with ghosts in it. It's just a house that's kind of like a dick. <laughs> is, is that the whole point of house that, has, he just, that he's just in a house that's kind of an asshole and that has portals to other dimensions yeah the portals thing it's kind of like being on the hellmouth so it causes all sorts of weird shit to happen but yeah the uh, house is an asshole that's fair and I'm gonna give everybody a spoiler warning uh, William Katz's character shows up again in house 4 we never get an explanation of, of anything no, like, uh, 
No, there was an investigation into where my son had been for however many years and hadn't aged. No, uh, none of that. I feel like you're asking questions that don't need to be asked right now. I think they do. This is this movie is a fucking batshit insane story <laughs> about a guy fucking chopping up a deadite that was designed to look like his ex-wife who has to get chased around the house by his deceased former Vietnam military partner <laughs> who's mad at him for not killing him during the war played by the fucking bailiff from night court and you're like yeah but in the aftermath of the film there'd be some complications associated with the return of the child <laughs> fucking christ Brian. you don't like my stance on this i don't understand why the fuck we're not talking about big ben right now that's what i don't understand who who paid to have this movie made that's the real question well, that i have Sean Cunningham got it rolling, so... Yeah. He arranged just, it. I don't it, think he explained this to the financiers when he was getting money from them. No. Because I'm, I'm just saying, when somebody handed a script for this film and somebody looked at it and went, yeah. Do you want to know what... Do you really want to know what happened, Noah? Yes. So, Fred Decker, who, who you know, is our one of our favorite directors from Monster Squad and Night of the Creeps, when he was in college... He's like, I got this great idea for a Haunted House movie and told his roommate, Sean B- Shane Black. And so they worked on the idea together. And then apparently someone told Sean Cunningham, hey, these guys got a pretty good idea for a Haunted House movie. So they told him the idea. They didn't even write the script. They just told him the idea. And he's like, that sounds cool. And then hired someone else to write it. And then asked Steve Miner if he wanted to direct it. And somehow yeah. everybody said yes in this scenario. I'm just because it's at some point somebody wrote like this script and and they were like, oh, I get it. So like the house is a, a, a metaphor for for his PTSD and struggles from Vietnam. And then they're like, no, 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 no. The house is a dick. And it just literally brings back his Vietnam buddy. This is honestly it's really all that happened here is somebody like Seanus Cunningham was coming off of Friday 13th success could get things made was well, buddies by... with a Friday 13th part 2 director could bring him in if he wanted so then he's like uh, Decker's got this idea it's kind of like Amityville meets Evil Dead uh, you want to write that no I'll just get somebody else to do it that's what happened it's not that complicated because they're overthinking this it's just <laughs> there were financiers lined up to give these particular people money because they were making tons of money with the Friday the 13th series and this is what they chose to do with it and I'm glad they did. Yeah, I'm not oh, saying it's wrong. I love this movie. Don't get me wrong. The movie's fantastic. It's, it's, it may be one of the greatest movies ever made, uh, but it is absolutely overshadowed by part two, which we'll talk about next week. Which I was going to say is actually directed by the guy that wrote the script for this one. So, so he can yeah. lean into the tunnel decisions he was making like the script writing stage exactly makes sense it gets even more bad shit brings in different members <laughs> of the cheers family it's uh, it does it's gonna be it's gonna be the greatest thing ever um yeah, but you were talking about big ben let's talk about big ben oh my god how much do you love the look of that fucking zombified vietnam soldier <laughs> running around i was gonna mention all the creature effects in this movie is fantastic 
Yeah, they're super fun. You can tell they had like a budget to work with and like some decent people creating these monsters and stuff. Mm -hmm. But Big Ben is my favorite because that performance, like Richard Mall, who I like, it's so different from Bull Shannon, which is all I would know him from. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like he's like uh, he's intimidating, but also very entertaining at the same time, if that's funny. Do you guys know what I mean? It's like that's Richard Mall in just about everything. Okay, I accept that. I don't really know him from much. It's weird. I looked at his IMDb and he's like hundreds of acting credits. I'm like, I don't think I've seen any of this. I think it's weird. <laughs> I've been rewatching uh, Batman the Animated Series and he does some voice work on gangsters. Yeah. In that show. So, but it's, yeah, like, I love that character. When I was a kid, I wanted to be that for Halloween so badly and like it turns out you really can't buy a big Ben mask in children's sizes for some reason (laughs) but you're an adult now you can do that around your house if you wanted to I could yeah I could just start smashing holes in the wall checking if there's dimensions in there if I wanted to (laughs) spoiler alert there is (laughs) (laughs) did you guys love it when he uh, I'm just just random bouncing around at this point but when you has the finds the dimension or the monster coming out of the closet in the bedroom so then he orders all that camera and it's all that old school 80s cameras that he's trying to set up <laughs> that was like ten thousand dollars in, in camera equipment oh yeah well, he's a rich he's a rich uh, author best-selling books and shit <laughs> yeah. can, can we take it aside to talk about the true villain of this movie george went the weird no Oh. The weird fucking foreign lady that just brings her child over to a stranger's house and places <laughs> on him and then leaves. Yeah, that was problematic uh, for me. But she also just goes and swims in his pool. And she's like, oh, the previous owner let me swim in this pool, so I just assumed you'd be fine with it, too. <laughs> oh, she's the worst. You know, what's really, you know what's really creepy about her? The first time she sees our main character there is when she's like running down the street and he's out putting his garbage out and he's wearing that weird fucking tucked in v-neck sweater where the v comes almost all the way down to the belly button oh yeah and she's somehow attracted to that and that's fucked up she has problems <laughs> yes. the, uh... the weirdest shirt i've ever seen in my life and she jogs by and is like yeah is she attracted or is she just making him think that she's attracted so that she can then later dump her child on his <laughs> That's the thing. She sees she sees that sweater and she thinks, well, I know this guy won't have a bunch of crazy people over having a party because nobody would wear that as friends, so I guess I can just leave my kid here now. <laughs> she's planning to be gone for a while, too, because she's got like a change of clothes and a blanket and shit for the kid. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, then, like, okay, you bring your kid over. And then your kid runs off, and then the guy runs after him. And when you finally catch up to him, he's walking out of the bathroom with the kid, and the kid is crying. And no red flag goes up, just, yeah, this is probably so cool. She had places to go, man. Did she even say where she was going? Nope. Mm -hmm. Oh, you do. What a bitch. To be, Yeah. Yeah, was, every every character so every character in this film is great except for her. She's the worst. <laughs> we should probably take some time now to talk about Norm because I, I fucking love that guy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the the opening thing when he when he meets Roger and he's like, oh that lady, she's live here. She was batshit insane. And 
just a complete dingbat, just completely lost it. And he's like, that was my aunt. Heart of gold, though. I mean, really couldn't have been a kinder woman. <laughs> that is, transition yeah. is so good. Yeah, he has amazing delivery in this movie. Yeah. I like when the, when he calls the cops because he hears gunshots, which, like, is the proper neighborly thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't hold it against him. But then uh, when the cops are there, he just kind of keeps trying to force his way in because he wants to know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I do... I do like the fact that he, his character really does have the best of intentions. Like he's a bit of a busybody and stuff, but (laughs) he really is. He just likes this neighbor guy and he just wants to make sure he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like in the middle of all this craziness. It's like, yeah, like I heard my, I heard gunshots at my neighbor's house. Like it keeps the movie grounded in a sense where you're like, I guess you'd call the cops for that. (laughs) Then, you know, that leads to the guy trying to keep the demon body in the closet as it's reanimating itself while the cops are there. I think my favorite part of the whole movie is whenever he finally has him come over in the middle of the night and he's like, ah, it wasn't a ghost. It was a raccoon. It's in that closet right there. <laughs> so I wanted to shoot it with this harpoon right between the eyes. And I don't know why that's so great, but whenever he comes back out of the closet and Norm's like, that wasn't a raccoon, man. And he's like, I know. I know it wasn't a raccoon. I love that whole scene because I love Norm is like, first of all, like he shoots the thing once and the guy's like, shoot it again. And he's like, he doesn't know how because who the hell knows how to use a harpoon gun. <laughs> he's just like, I don't, it's attached still. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> and his delivery is great. And then as Roger's getting pulled into the closet, He's like, help me. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> it's, just, it's a really genuine reaction to the moment. Like, oh, there's just a monster in there. You told me raccoon. Now it's monster. And uh, you want me to do what about this? <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I saw him and William Cat do a house panel at a convention one year. Oh, yeah, that's delightful. I don't really remember many stories. Number one, William Cat was running late uh, for something else he was doing. I don't know. Um, like somewhere else at the convention, he got held up. So when this was supposed to start, it was just Norm sitting up there bullshitting. Uh, but I don't really remember if they even told any good stories or anything. The biggest thing I remember is that uh, Norm did not look like he had ever been to a convention before. And immediately thought this would be his last convention because he did not seem like he was having a good time. No, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Which I find strange because you'd think that there would be Cheers conventions. <laughs> I don't know. You'd think there would be Cheers conventions and that they would be just as annoying as Star Trek conventions. Yeah, I can see that. It was just people following him around being like, do you remember in episode 35 when Diane was having a problem? <laughs> and Sam was like, oh, don't be a bitch. Change my life, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a, because uh, a friend of mine used to run the uh, photo ops at those. And uh, they set him up in one where he was dressed as Norm, the the beige sports coat and the red tie. 
Wow. And okay. he had a, like a fake mug of beer in his hand. And he literally, all he had to do was sit there in a stool. And then somebody would come in, snap. All right, thank you. Next person, snap. And it was interesting because that happened. And then the next day he was supposed to do another one. And he pretty much canceled that one. So I was like, wow, this dude is not having a good time at this convention. I feel bad for him. In, well, his, I, in his in his defense, he has to put up with convention people. That is true. It, I, the whole convention thing doesn't seem pleasant to me. Like I would totally do it if I could quit my job and do that instead. But mm. if you're rich, I don't know why they continue to do it. There's a lot of those people know. that I just I don't understand. Like like a William Shatner or something that clearly doesn't enjoy the interactions with the fans. Why does he continue to do those things? I don't get it. He needs the attention. But he hates the attention all at the same time. It's weird. Anyways, uh, we get way off topic again. I thought the uh, one of the things I really love about this movie is the medicine cabinet scene, which I don't think I've ever noticed is all done in one shot before. When he gets sucked into it kind of thing? Yeah, well, he like opens it up, and it's a regular medicine cabinet, closes it, sort of walks back from it with his hand over his mouth, like thinking... And you see him in the mirror, and then he comes back to to it, opens it up again. Or no, he throws the thing into it, and it smashes into just an empty void. And I was kind of surprised I'd never noticed it was all done in one shot before. Yeah, so, it's, it's really a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a hard movie to talk about because it's so crazy. <laughs> just. Because, like, we're talking about all this, like, crazy stuff, but then there's also, like, the weird nom flashbacks mm-hmm. that he has that are, like, actually pretty well done. And it's, like, in 1985, that war was still relatively fresh in people's minds. Not in you know, yeah. ours, because of our age, but it's, like, that's those are pretty well done flashbacks. And you could see that if, if this had been, like, a, a movie about his dealing with the trauma of war those scenes could have fit in pretty nicely yeah and it's like I don't know how then all of a sudden deadites like just the next minute <laughs> like, yeah supposedly his ex-wife comes over but it turns out it's just a giant yeah fat like, lady sure uh, zombie at one point I'm pretty sure he's having like a flashback and then he kind of comes out of it and then the giant fish on the wall starts flapping around like as if it had just come out of the water. <laughs> so he shoots it as you do. Yeah. There are also the attack of the flying garden tools. <laughs> oh my god, I love those fucking garden tools. And like when he is upstairs and they're still chasing him around. <laughs> I love that. It just like corners him into a bedroom and then you kind of forget about him and then dead-eyed ladies chase him around the house and he's like, yeah, fuck oh this. Oh my God. It's so. the best. That may be the best thing ever put in a movie. Just the fact that, you know, he escapes from those tools and in a normal movie, that's the end of that. You know, you just kind yeah. of, those, those tools were just done and instead he opens up the door and they're still floating there waiting. <laughs> so good the effect on that was pretty good too to just have them floating like that that looked pretty neat yeah didn't look too wiry I'd just like to point out that in in a magical uh, dimension opening house that has telekinetic powers 
uh, the house didn't bother just to open the door, let the garden angels out. <laughs> Would you guys quit looking for excuses to complain about this movie? <laughs> That's not a complaint. That is a delightful oversight. <laughs> I don't think it's an oversight. It was all part of the uh, long-term strategy of the house. Uh, I don't know. Any other favorite moments? Uh, pretty much all of it. I don't. <laughs> is there a moment? I mean, seriously, is there a moment of this movie that isn't entertaining? Whenever he comes, even the part where he does that dumb shit where he's testing his timing and he opens the door and like runs down the stairs and runs out the front door. <laughs> he's in full army gear, you know, this, that shit is fucking fantastic. Fucking Norm is walking his dog and he's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. and then of course the dog comes back after he uh uh dismembers the zombie chick and buries her in weird completely obvious uh places in the backyard and the dog shows up again to steal steal her fucking hand i like i like just watching the backyard with all the holes dug in it and he thinks he's hiding things <laughs> right so what the fuck do you think you're doing? Tiny Dude, the dog with the doing some fun. Doing some gardening. What's in the bag? Is it a sapling? Yeah, it's a sapling. <laughs> <laughs> so she turns around, and just starts beating him with a shovel. <laughs> <sighs> I just love the fact that that lie too. That lie's so counterproductive because the next time she comes over. There's clearly going to have been a hole dug and something buried and, and no sapling. Yeah. Again, again, I don't think they were thinking through the long-term consequences of the behavior no. of the characters in this film. No. You guys are attempting to put a level of analysis into this movie that it does not warrant. Oh, no, for sure not. Considering, <laughs> considering it just, uh, the movie literally ends when he walks out of the house at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's another thing this has in common with the <laughs> previous movie. Yeah, but at least we get like some text on the screen in Amityville to sort of say like, hey, you know, this is what happened afterwards. This is literally, oh, is he going to reconnect with his ex-wife? Don't know. He's standing on top of the steps and she's down in the road. Cause that's because well, the other one was a true story, so we know what happened to the characters after <laughs> this one. It hadn't been written yet, so... And there's the weird fact that so through the whole movie, it's just ratcheting up and ratcheting up and there's more evil things and more evil things. And then finally, you know, we've got uh, his his zombie Vietnam friend and all that in the resolution. It turns out that, like, if you're not afraid of these things, they can't hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. It, pretty much. That that was never hinted at or established <laughs> at all in this film. Uh, like he just walks into a room and he's like, aha. <laughs> you this dumb movie ghost was, bitch <laughs> no 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 this movie was made in 1985 so that plot point was absolutely hinted at a year earlier in a nightmare on elm street yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> i forgot i forgot that this movie is really just a series of ripoffs of other yeah it is it's, <laughs> it's, it's fucking the evil dead taking place in the amityville house with the nightmare on elm street ending What's so complicated about that? Why isn't that obvious to everyone? <laughs> uh, good lord. 
I would argue with you, but I can't. <laughs> it's too true. It's... <laughs> that wasn't meant as a criticism, just so we're clear. No, yeah. I think when a, when a movie's like this, when it takes on this like lighthearted tone and stuff, I think it can feel free to rip off from other movies because it just seems to automatically count as an homage to those movies. You're just like, all right. No, I'll tell you with you, I have no complaints about this movie whatsoever. Um, I think I did mention last time that this movie scared the shit out of me when I was younger. Which I don't get. I don't get now either, but I think it was the combination of the kid just disappearing in the swimming pool freaked me out, and Big Ben freaked me out. I can see Big Ben freaking you out out of context, but in the context sure. of the movie, I don't see. But yeah, maybe I only saw I said, like, like I watched this movie a lot when I was a kid. Maybe I only saw like half of it when I was younger. In 1985, man, Com- Commando and this. And fucking American Ninja. There you go. Outstanding. Sounds like the best afternoon ever. Yeah. Sounds like a VHS tape you'd make when you had the movie channel free for a weekend. <laughs> like I shall just watch this from beginning to end over and over again. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anything else before we uh, move on? I'll take that as a no. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> it's house. If you haven't seen it, you should you should probably see it. And not the Japanese house. This is different. Oh yeah, not the, not the doctor guy either. No, not the TV show. Although watch that too. It was pretty good. <laughs> Which one? Both? No, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen the Japanese thing. Oh really? Because no. the Japanese thing is a batshit insane fucking um, haunted house movie. But, like, take this movie, but filter it through being Japanese. Yeah. It, it's it's fucking nuts. <laughs> I have I have a weird relationship with Japanese horror movies. Um, I I like the cheesy kaiju-y stuff. Mm-hmm. But their serious horror, I don't, I, I just, something well, about it, I don't fucking get it. Well, you're discussing House from Japanese as serious horror. Nope. And, and that, that is not correct. <laughs> Does it have kaiju yeah. monsters in it? No, it does not have kaiju. But then I don't it does it. have it does have a, a dismembered head flying through the air and biting a young girl on the butt, yep. and her looking into the camera going "aye." So, if for some reason that works for you, uh, it might. She can go watch it. <laughs> I was I was going to say usually. In in the Asian horror, I like Korean horror films, and I like Japanese kaiju films, mm-hmm. and I don't care much for the rest of it. Yeah, this may be more of a Japanese comedy with horror elements in it. Yeah, that might be worth seeing. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. 
Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, Alright, what everybody watched since last time? Uh, I am almost done with the last season of The Good Place. Okay. Oh, yeah. I am I am halfway through the last episode. And it's, uh... It hurts. That episode hurts. <laughs> uh, did not watch it, but Amanda watched it, and she seemed to enjoy it. Oh, my God. Are you, are you a fan of the show at all? I don't know. I never saw it. Oh, you didn't watch any of the show? Nope. Didn't watch it. Amanda watched all of it, but I, I, I never got into it. Well, I don't. So I'm, I'm going to try to phrase this without spoiling anything. So sure. one of the characters is a is a complete fucking idiot. And that's like his whole character through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And at the at the beginning of the last episode, he basically has his ultimate moment, his his perfect, you know, the the one moment he's always wanted his entire life. And it's and it's mm-hmm. super fucking ridiculous because the show's super fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's so dumb. And it punches you right in the guts because you get what's happening. Whenever it happens, you're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> no! <laughs> how did you make how did you make this big dumb thing so fucking sad at the same time?" I find uh, lots of stuff sort of like that happens. Like, so I'll be watching stuff, something, and then it'll be like, "Oh, but this is kind of a dumb thing." But then we're gonna make it really emotional by the end, and you're like, "God damn you! How the fuck did you make that work?" I saw this coming, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I am really happy. So, like I said, I haven't finished the last episode, but I'm I'm almost there. I was watching it whenever I had to come in here and record. Uh, but I'm so fucking happy that they like knew they were making a final season and that they yeah. made a final season. If that makes sense. Yeah, I so, wish that more shows would get that opportunity. Yeah, maybe they should just. I, maybe they should just fucking institute a rule of some kind that it's like four seasons. You get four seasons. <laughs> Your fourth season is the end. You just mm-hmm. fucking stop. Wrap, worked, wrap it up. Would have worked for Dexter. Right. Yeah. It would have worked for most shows. I, I definitely just think they should decide it's the last season and know that going into the last season, and then. All you need is dedicated filmmakers at that point who can wrap things up properly, which you don't always get. Yeah. yeah. Or there should be there should be a thing that if if a network decides to buy a TV show, they are required by law to set aside enough money <laughs> to make six additional episodes. And whenever they cancel the show, the showrunner gets to make six more episodes to end the show. Yeah, I like the required by law element of it. Like that's what our governments really need to be focusing on right now. There's not much else going on in the world. So. Listen, the, uh, our our government is really bad right now, and they're getting ready to shift the power for the next fucking five decades and and destroy everything I find good and just in the world. I can at <laughs> least get final fucking episodes of a couple goddamn TV shows in my life. <laughs> And it sounds like the type of thing I might actually be able to talk Trump into. He'd be like, that's a good idea. Just in case they can't the apprentice, we need more episodes to really <laughs> close all the 
<laughs> Important lines of the plot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, if they don't cancel you like halfway through your season, then you're automatically renewed for another season. But it's, you can't always blame the studios, though, because you look back at Game of Thrones, and it was the fucking showrunners who were the assholes in that scenario. <laughs> or this, I, if I understand the story correctly, the HBO literally said to them, like, there's too much story left to tell. We'll just give you an extra season. And they're like, nah. Nah. We'll just force everything into this last season and fuck it all up. We, we done, bro. We done. Uh, but that was it. All right. The, the end. What did you watch, Doug? Um, I watched one movie, but I'm not happy about it. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> I was looking for, like, a short movie to watch. Uh-huh. Because I only, I only had, like, an hour and a half to kill yesterday. And so I'm flipping through Tubi, and I come across something called The Beast of Bray Road. And I'm like, oh. oh. It's like an hour 20 and it's a werewolf movie. How bad could it be? That Sounds bad. pretty bad. Look, man, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. It was, uh, I, I'm not trying to shift responsibility. I'll try to be a better person in the future. I didn't know it was a fucking asylum movie. So I didn't oh. know how bad it was going to be. And by the time I realized it, I'm like, I'm kind of pot committed. Like it's, it's on. I am leaving in like an hour and a half and I, this is an hour and 20 minutes long I can't stop it and turn something else on I can't just sit around for an hour being upset with myself for starting an asylum movie <laughs> so I just had to let it play out while I like played games on my phone and shit and I was like oh just fucking atrocious <laughs> on every level but anyways well, as soon as you said asylum, I figured atrocious on every level be, would be the Yeah, review. I really didn't need to say much past there. It's like, do you want to go through the list of things that suck? The acting, the script writing, the special effects. The... I just, who are asylum movies for? It's like they make movies for people who hate movies. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I, I kind of understood it. Like, if you go back to, like, the fucking like late 90s early 2000s when you were still going in and just renting whatever the new horror movie was on the shelf i understood putting out movies like this because mm-hmm. you'd walk in there and they're fucking just there's just nothing else so you just grab that one because it's the only thing on the new release shelf that you haven't seen before well and it was also marketed towards uh grandparents who didn't know what the fuck they were buying for, for their grandkids. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, you like that Transformers movie, right? I got you this Transformers movie. Grandma, this is Transmorphers. How dare you? I fucking hate you. I wish you would die. So I just, I don't get it. But, but I don't, but then honestly, like, I don't get, you bring up Transformers and it's like, is Transformers a better movie than Transmorphers? I'm not convinced it is. It's just bigger budget shit. So I don't understand why those movies make money. I don't get it. I don't understand what's wrong with fucking people. I, I, like, see, I, I think that you can make that judgment just because, listen, if somebody filmed five and a half hours of a monkey in a zoo jacking off and, <laughs> and, and put that out, an asylum was like, oh, we're ripping this off, and they put out their version, somehow their version would be way worse. 
but I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Like again, though, some people are watching these movies. Enough people are watching these movies that they keep putting the money into making them. So I don't know. I don't know why people are doing that. Like especially now. Like like I say, I understood it back when you'd go in and there wasn't a lot of options. In, in like a world where most people have at least Netflix, like at the touch of a button, and usually a couple of other things. Why would you? I mean, I, I get it. You're, you know, you got a beer tasting that starts at eight, and it's six thirty. You don't have much time. <laughs> but is that what happened? You had a beer tasting to go yeah. to? Yeah, that's one of my nerd things that I do. That's not movie related. Is I, I got a buddy, and we drove. Like, we'll take a drive and stop at different microbrews and pick up beers, and then every now and again get together and try a few of them. Alright, fair enough. So, so last Sunday, I did. We did like a drive and stopped at like four different breweries and picked up samples. I it's like, real so, that, hipstery. I'll, I'll I'll be honest. That sounds delightful. I'm I'm sad that I can't go on those. <laughs> the thing the thing is, it's like it's I I really enjoy it, but then I'm like, if anybody ever heard our conversations, it, we must sound so pretentious when we're just sitting like across the living room from each other like sipping beers going like oh you can really taste the citrus in this one and you're like but I'm like god what the who the fuck are we what are we doing here I mean <laughs> I like get hoppy my beer but is this too hoppy that's that's the kind of shit you get into <laughs> and it's like it's and, and then the thing is like then because we're not organized individuals then like a week later I'm like which one did I like again and which one didn't I like I don't even remember it doesn't matter have you ever been to a beer convention I have not, but I would like Cause, to. Because they are fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> I'd really like to go to one, but I have never been to one. I'm not big, great with crowds of people, so I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but you're drinking the whole time. Yeah. A, you can do that without a crowd, too, though. Doug would be like, I'm going to have a beer convention in my hotel room. <laughs> don't need to go to the actual convention as many as four of you are welcome to come and then it gets weird <laughs> see at least if you went uh, to microbreweries with Noah you can be like oh yes this is uh, this has a great citrus flavor blah 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 oh by the way <laughs> fucking asylum movies blow ass <laughs> fair enough that might actually make sense <laughs> Did you watch anything else? Uh, so, a, an interesting thing happened where, like, I've always usually got some TV show that I have for putting on in the background when I'm just, like, bored or if I'm, like, sometimes I'll just leave it on while I'm falling asleep and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started doing that with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Nice. Except then season two started. Oh, see? And now you're hooked. Now I think I'm just watching the show. Like I watched the Halloween episode. I fell asleep watching the Halloween episode the other night, mm-hmm. and then I just before we recorded rewatched it because I'm like I can't miss that one. <laughs> Season two is just so jam packed full of great individual episodes where you're like, yeah. it's like they bring in Spike, they bring in Oz. You've got the the Frankenstein tribute episode, which is really good. You've got the one where the there's like the cult that worships vampires. You got the Halloween episode. You got Angelus. Yeah, we'll get there. The whole the whole turn at the end. You've got that one where 
Spike invades the school and Buffy's mom bashes him with an axe. And then you get that awesome callback at the end of the season when Spike joins the team. <laughs> she's like, haven't I met you before? He's like, oh, yeah, you hit me with an axe once. You know, get away from my daughter. And he's like motioning with like as if he's pretending old night. I fucking love that performance. That's one of my favorite moments in uh, television history is in the Halloween episode of Buffy season two when everyone's been turned into their costumes and Spike's just walking down the street and he goes, well, this is, this is just neat. <laughs> I just love that moment. Uh, oh, James Marston. Marsters. I wish, uh, I wish you had got more uh, TV roles because... Your spike was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. The day I learned he wasn't actually British blew my mind. I know. I'm like, because he was in some really bad horror movie, wasn't he? That's how I learned he wasn't British. Uh, I don't know. He was in the remake of Haunting of Hill House. or uh, That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. It wasn't very good. What was that movie? I said the wrong title, but. No, uh, I know, but I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyways. Fucking Vincent Price. God damn it. Yeah. The Haunting. Is it just called The Haunting? No. Haunting of the House on the Hill? That one. House on the Hill. Right. Yeah, he was in that for like two seconds. In the remake. Yeah. House on Haunted Hill. Jesus Christ. What the fuck is wrong with my brain? Through that. <laughs> I don't know why you were just willing to give up like I did. Because like, it, because it literally, will, the name wrong. it literally will bug me for a week until it then just miraculously pops into my head, and I'll be like, "Ah, oh, I feel so much better, <laughs> so much less anxiety from the past week." Is that the one? Is like Liam Neeson the star of that one? And no, Catherine Zeta Jones. That's the haunting. Uh, maybe I got those two confused. House on Haunted Hill originally was Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe the remake's not that terrible, or is it? Uh, I don't remember liking it, but it does seem to have a uh, sort of a cult following. It has Chris Kattan in it. Does that help you decide whether to like it? He, <laughs> he, he dies fairly immediately. I should yeah. So. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I would. Uh, I might be up for a rewatch of uh, House of Haunted Hill. Not saying I was going to like it or not, but I barely remember anything about it. Well, I am I, I am being it right now, showing that it came out in '99, therefore technically qualifies for our podcast. <laughs> there you go. Do a remake episode. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on the list. All right. What were we talking about? Uh, oh, you were talking about Buffy. Buffy the vampire. Buffy. Yeah. So, anyways, you're just probably going to hear me talk about Buffy a lot for the next little while because it seems like I'm watching that show. Oh, we'll see how far it goes and how long it takes me to kind of move on, but. Ooh, haunting! The appearance. Haunting remake was also ninety nine. That may spell doom. There's, there's our episode. Uh, did you watch anything else besides Buffy? Yeah, I was going to say all those came out at the same time, right? Yeah, it was like the uh, that those two, and then Thirteen Ghosts, and they basically like remade every fucking <laughs> black and white haunted house movie in the two year span. Yeah, that was, that was the stated objective, remake all of the black and white Haunted House movies. Just get them out of the way so we can start remaking Japanese movies in a couple of years. All right, guys? Oh, uh, 13 Ghosts was 2001. Doesn't work. Oh, uh, well, we said within a couple of years. 
Yeah, that's still pretty close. 9901 is a couple of years. All right. That that one, upon rewatching, it's better than I remember it being. 13 Ghosts? Yeah, I I remembered it being, like, way too fucking, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the proper word is, where they were like, we're going to super modern the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. But upon the rewatch, I was like, you know what? I like all these ghost designs, and I like all the characters and the actors, and oh, it was solid. And I didn't really like. I think I talked about it not too long ago, and I didn't really love it. I did like all the ghost designs. I just wish we had more backstory. I think on the ghosts rather than mm-hmm. spending time with Matthew Lillard. Someone, uh, some anonymous person that then it sort of went viral, posted on Twitter like. They should make 13 Ghosts like a Netflix series, and each episode is about each one of the ghosts. That makes sense. I'm like, that would be perfect. Won't happen, because it's too good of an idea, but... Yeah. And somehow they should just combine 13 Ghosts with the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. I'm down for that. Scooby-Doo. Extreme! (laughs) Scooby-Doo gets gets the naked lady who slit her wrist in the bathtub. Right, right. You've already got Matthew Lillard in both, so it works actually. It makes yeah. sense. Uh. <laughs> All right, did you watch anything else? I did not watch anything else, unfortunately. Uh. All right, um, let's see. I watched quite a few things actually. Uh, That's good. I watched a movie called Red Letter Day that was like three dollars on Vudu, so I just bought it, sight unseen. Okay. Um, I feel like it has a fantastic premise and the execution is terrible. Um, so one day, uh, all these people wake up in this sort of like, uh, uh, not a suburb. What do they call? What do they call? Just like a sort of like a little neighborhood in a town. Fuck. Cul-de-sac? Uh, not even a cul-de-sac. A borough? Mm, fuck, my brain is like garbage today. Um, so we'll just say a small little neighborhood. Um, all these people wake up and they have a letter in a red envelope, all of them do, in their mailbox. And so when people start opening them, they find that they have a letter inside that says, uh, if you do not want to die, kill this person. And it has a picture of someone else in the neighborhood. So basically it's sort of setting it up that if you kill the person on your list, you won't be killed. But if you don't, then you're sort of still open to be killed. And it seems to set it up that each one, they have the corresponding letter. Like the person that's on your list has your letter, has your picture as well. So you should probably kill them before they kill you. Uh, And then we mainly focus on this, uh, single single mom family, boy and a girl, and the mom, they all get them, and they're like, the fuck is this? This is weird. And then we slowly start to see other people in the neighborhood start trying to kill each other. Um, but man, most of this movie is just exposition dump after exposition dump. So I feel like there's a good story there. But it's mainly just people talking about why they shouldn't participate in trying to kill their neighbors. Well, I mean, 
You probably shouldn't, to be fair. I agree, but they don't get into very good reasons why. There is a couple yeah. good uh, gore scenes, though. Um, That's good. There's one. This guy's trying to attack her son, and she walks in in the middle of it, and he doesn't see her, and she grabs like a barbecue fork and stabs him in the back of the neck. But the only thing nice. you see is the two little tongs come out of the front of his neck, and he turns <laughs> he turns around and grabs her and starts choking her, and then they fall down, and blood just starts running right into her mouth as as he's on top of her trying to choke her. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, so that was pretty good. Uh, her son, like the dude, hit him with a pretty nice sized hammer in the in the leg. Um. And apparently broke his leg and a bone comes shooting out, but he's wearing jeans, so it just sort of, the bone sticks out of a hole in his jeans. It's not, the makeup around it wasn't super great. But yeah, so there's a couple couple cool things, but I just don't feel like it lives up to their potential. Um, Could have been done better. Uh, See, after that, I decided I need to catch up on some Universal Monster movies, because I've never been super... uh, super versed in the universal horror movies and and probably the last big one that i needed to watch before the crossover movies start was the wolfman oh you've never seen it never seen the wolfman never seen the full thing no that's a solid movie man which i was which is shocking because i love werewolves a lot and just have not got around to the wolfman I are arguably I will say to this day it is still the best werewolf story ever told. Uh yeah. It's pretty fantastic. Um about the only thing I feel like is it's limited by the time it was made, but you can't hold that against it. And I do like that pretty much a lot of the werewolf lore that we get comes directly from this movie. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, along with a lot of it that got lost somewhere along the lines i feel like the the whole idea that the werewolf is like doomed to kill someone they care about mm -hmm. like is one of the best devices ever in a horror film that you know what i mean it's a it's a guy against himself (laughs) trying to yeah prevent this thing from happening that's inevitable and it's i don't know that's it's just fantastic yeah, yeah and I'm, i really enjoyed it and i'm kind of excited to check out the crossover movies now that i've kind of caught up with everything yeah you gotta watch frankenstein meets the wolfman it yeah. sounds like it's just gonna be giant monsters fighting but it's actually a really impressive like dramatic film mm. and it really it's really a sequel to the wolfman so I'd watch it next. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have all of them. Like, I bought all the Legacy sets back in the day. Yeah. But I've just never got around to catching up with a lot of them. Does it have all the Abbott and Costello shit on it, too? Um, I think some of them do. Um, Depends when well, you buy your Legacy sets. Those got added to the later editions. Okay, then I probably don't. But, uh, so they, you know, they put out that Blu-ray... Uh, box set with like yeah. eight, eight movies so it had kind of the bigger ones on it and then later they put out like a giant like 30 something movie universal box set 
And when I was doing stuff for Drunken Zombies still, they got a hold of me to see if I wanted the screener version. And I was like, uh, yeah. So they sent me this giant box set, and then I never reviewed anything on Drunken Zombie with it. So. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, sure. So I have it sitting sitting by. So I have all I have all of them, because the Abbott and Costello stuff was in that set, too. So have access to all of them. Just need to sit down and start going through it since I got a lot more time on my hands now. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of the Abbott and Costello stuff, but I do like, man, I can't, I'm hard pressed to think of one of those universal movies that I don't like overall. You know what I mean? Some of them aren't as good as the other ones, but they're all awesome. the, The later ones are, you know, you can tell they're reaching a little bit with some of the later crossover films, mm-hmm. but still they're not terrible or anything. Even Spanish Dracula, do you got Spanish Dracula in there? Yeah, I've seen Spanish Dracula. Spanish Dracula is fantastic. It really is. Yeah. It's amazing the that tr- the movies were made at the same time on the exact same sets and one of them turned out way better than the other one. I mean, the other one's good, but this, like the Spanish one is so much better, I feel like. In like pacing and like uh, storytelling and stuff, right? Yeah, and and that's crazy. Seeing how you know, like fucking Dracula is just it is iconic. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like this this echelon of recognizability that very few things will ever obtain. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the other version that fewer English speaking people have ever seen is probably better. <laughs> I actually think of all the Universal Horrors, Dracula is the one that holds up the least. Like the, I think he, other than the performance by Lugosi, I don't think the film is that good. Mm-hmm. So it's, sure. uh, it, I think that makes it easily surpassable. Even though it is iconic and everything, it's mm. you know uh, not to take away from its its history, but just I think it's it's the one where I think you can sit there and go, yeah. But now that that story's been told more and more, it's been told in better ways in the future right whereas yeah most of the other ones yeah i feel like all the stuff when you leave dracula's castle is when it really starts like not being as good i think all the stuff at the castle is pretty fantastic um yeah but once he starts interacting just with people and just being another dude who sometimes will show up in a wisp of fog like it kind of starts losing stuff yeah and it's really like set bound when you get back to the, the main house there. I got like yeah. the opening stuff in the castle. I think is good. That's where Lugosi just yeah. kind of shines, right? Mm-hmm. And were you the you the one that don't you don't like the cleanup on some of the Blu-rays and stuff? Me? Yeah. Um, I I don't think it's necessary. I don't necessarily dislike it. Depends just, on the scenario. Yeah, just when I got the Blu-ray set of the box set of the eight. The uh, the Dracula transfer is amazing. Like yeah. it's just so like crisp and clear, and it just makes the sets and everything look amazing. That's cool. Yeah. I've debated whether to upgrade some of that stuff to Blu-ray, but I just, mm. my cheapness overtakes me. <laughs> well, the the Blu-ray box set I think is down to like thirty or forty dollars. I want to say. Yeah. But like even spending a dollar on it is hard for me when I already own the movies in it. Sure. Format. Sure. Yeah, that's just a problem I have. It's, 
Yeah, so far, I still think uh, Bride might be my favorite out of all of them I've seen so far. See, I like the original Frankenstein more than Bride, but mm. I think that's just a matter of what type of movie you enjoy because they're sure. totally different. Invisi- I was going to say Invisible Man's probably the. Uh, that's really good. I, I feel like it's it might be the best movie out of all of them, but it's not necessarily my favorite. If that makes sense. Oh, see, I found I've I've seen the Invisible Man and I found it very boring. Oh, what a great! It's such a great story. Maybe I need to rewatch Creature, it, but... Creature from the Black Lagoon's up there too. I fucking, I That's... really, really like it. I, I'm, I'm a real sucker for the creature. Like growing up, Creature was my favorite, and I still like. I can put that movie in at any given time and watch it, and then I can watch the sequels too. I think they're fine. I always watch that gift thing that goes around that just shows him breaking stuff where it just says fuck this underneath so probably going to be more uh, universal horror in my future yeah I usually watch some around this time of year as well so it's, it's the fun time of thinking about this time of year you feel good about just spending all your days watching horror movies those universal classics are short enough that you can watch like a couple in a night. So. Uh, Maybe instead of a theme month, we'll need to do like a theme year. Try to get through some universal. <laughs> well, according to that box set, there's 33 of them. Yeah. The old black and white ones. There's a lot more if you want to expand your horizons beyond the core monsters. Do I have that box set? That say on here. Oh, it says thirty films, but you know what? I feel like we've been missing. We need some Godzilla movies on that list. You're not wrong. We ain't got no. We ain't got no kaiju, son. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh... To see how that goes because you gotta be cautious with those those movies. You start watching too many of them in a row, and you might realize that most of them are objectively bad movies that are just kind of fun to watch. Uh, I I think I know that going in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our old friend Scott, who's on the last horrorcast, yeah. Uh, since he lives like an hour and a half away in Champaign when we were like doing the show. I went to watch uh, uh, Crimson Peak because Del Toro was there, yeah, like introducing it and stuff. And so we were going over like we we're just you know waiting for the movie to start talking about Del Toro movies and stuff. And I was like, "Dude, have you seen Pacific Rim?" And he's like, "Nah, I just had no interest." And I'm like, "Are you are you are you fucking kidding me?" He's like, "He's like what?" And I'm like. So you're telling me a movie where giant monsters fight giant robots created by Guillermo del Toro has no interest? Scott was a weird fucking dude. He sat there for a second. He's like, you know what? You're right. I think I am going to watch it. And then he like absolutely loved it. I'm just like, yeah. Like, how how does all that stuff not appeal to you before someone tells you that you should watch it? I don't understand. He was a weird yeah. fucking guy. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I ever watched the sequel. Oh, sequel's not good. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. It didn't even look good, I don't think. So it was one of those, like, nah. Not good. But I mean, hey, giant robots, giant monsters. So it has that going for it, but man, 
Just not not as good as the first one. Oh, uh, let's see. So I also watched a movie called Doom Asylum. It was on Amazon Prime that I've been wanting to watch for a while. Okay. I think I've clicked on that a few times and then not watched it. Um, well, in my opinion, not good. Not good at okay. all. Um, it was made in the 1980s, and it's teenagers going to party in a abandoned asylum. It turns out a guy that was in there still hanging around. See, now you're making me want to watch it. I know, right? But the acting is so un- ungodly terrible that it just doesn't it doesn't help it any. And then the uh, special effects are not good. Yeah. I don't know. There's a guy complaining about his baseball cards the entire time. Yeah. Not a recommend for me. No. That's unfortunate because it's, it's a neat premise. Yeah. Well, it's like these, okay, these four teenagers go to like, quote unquote, have a picnic in front of the place. And there's already like this metal girl band uh, playing in the asylum. Now that I'm thinking about it, they don't ever explain why they're doing it. Like, they're not filming a video so, or nothing. So why the fuck are they so just, like, is there an audience? No, it's just the three girls. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's no reason for them to be there playing. Fucking 80s, man. Um, but of course, like all of them are trying to be like Linnea Quigley from Return of the Living Dead, but nowhere near as good. They're just trying to be that bad girl and talk like blah, 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 but they're all terrible. Um, some of the deaths are done off screen. They just get the old POV camera like walking towards someone and they do the oh no face and then cut to you know somebody else so yeah I don't know it's it's a weird movie but I would I mean if you could watch it on Tubi or something maybe just cause it's free but yeah just know you'll not get an hour and a half back so I don't know maybe you'll watch it and you'll absolutely love it but I just it did not do anything for me whatsoever yeah but doesn't actually sound good when you say it like that. Yeah. Um, and then, just last night, me and Amanda watched American Murder, The Family Next Door, which is a Netflix documentary that just came out yesterday about Chris Watts, the giant piece of shit who killed his wife and his two daughters and then lied to everybody about it for like two weeks before he finally got caught. Um, the documentary is really interesting because there's no interviews in it. They don't, like, you know, sit down and talk to anybody. But they take, like, publicly available footage and is able to put together, like, a coherent timeline of everything and tell the story of how it all happened. Which is weird. But... Because his, his wife was like a video blogger for some, I don't know, some website. So she like recorded like everything. And so they're able to take some of that footage and then combine it with uh, police footage that was available. Like from the interrogations, the police uh, chess cams and like all this stuff. And then, you know, once shit starts going, then news reports and court footage and whatever so it was really interesting to watch this just as sort of a 
you get to be a fly on the wall during everything with nobody like coming on screen and telling you, well, this is how I feel about something. You just get to see it all unfold, like how it actually happened, which is kind of interesting. Um, The hard part, as I told somebody else on Facebook, is knowing that he did it. And then watching all of the footage of him just lying the entire time. Like, they got the... Because, I mean, they got, like, the the body cam footage from the cops. When the cop pulls up to the house after the first call to the police by her friend, because her friend she's not answering her phone or anything, and they're standing in front of the house, and the police, you know, rolls up, gets out of the car. And then while he's standing there is when Chris Watts comes home. So then you see pretty much the entire interaction between him and the police the entire time and just him trying to uh trying to like convince them that he had nothing to do with it. It's it's kinda gross and just whatever, but it's a very interestingly done documentary. If anybody's at all curious about the case. It sounds interesting. I'm not familiar with the case, I don't think. So. Oh, okay. Well I won't tell you then. Um just know by the end you're gonna you're gonna find out that of course he was behind it, but watching it all unfold and what ended up actually happening is is just crazy. So uh so worth a watch. And I think it's a Netflix original, so should be should be available on Netflix up there too. Yeah. So Um and I watched one last thing that I guess we could talk about. Um, so me and Amanda watched all of Cobra Kai last week. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was a smart decision on your part. Well, what a horrible piece of shit. People actually like this show? You're joking. You're not even being funny. <laughs> nah, I am joking. Uh, oh, I was getting ready to say <laughs> This, this is the most upsetting thing ever. <laughs> Damn you, 2020! <laughs> uh, no, I actually loved it, and I think I even loved it maybe more than most people. I don't know why. I think it just hit me at the exact... I watched it at the exact right moment for me. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I loved every frame of it it's it's it's, so everything about it is good obviously but Mm. certain things they do in that show like even whenever you i like rewatch it and rethink things and Mm. you're like fuck they were so smart like well the writing on the the show is amazing I, i was gonna say the sheer level of detail they actually put into like johnny's character Mm-hmm. That is one of the most fleshed out characters I think that's ever been yeah. put on film. Yeah, I was talking with somebody on Facebook about it, and I pointed out, I'm just like, it's it's nearly impossible how good this movie is, or this show is. I said, there's so much different layers and stuff in this show that they've changed everything from being very black and white to being shades of gray. And not just for this show. Like, if you go back and watch, rewatch the original Karate Kid now, it's added so many weird layers to it that was not there before that it, you can watch it almost as like a completely different movie, which is almost fucking impossible 
to do something like that, but they like pulled it off really well. Right, because they didn't they didn't retcon anything. They just mm-hmm. added details. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's almost impossible. I think to go back and rewatch the first movie as as it was when it originally aired or originally screened. If you've seen this show, it's completely changed like every interaction and decision in that movie, which is which is just crazy to me that they were able to pull that off. Yeah, it's I think it, it they're smart enough to see the opportunities that existed from the original movie because mm-hmm. that original movie like I think we talked about it and kind of got into that discussion of how, like, you know, Daniel's not as sweet and innocent as you would have been led to believe yeah. during the uh, during the six during the like eighties when you watched it for the first time. And so it's like, okay, looking back on it now, you're like, you can see what he did wrong, and you can recognize that. And then to have them also recognize it and turn it into a whole show about that is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it's amazing. I don't know how, and maybe it's just because, I don't know, I'm a big pop culture genre fan of stuff. So, but for me, I'm just like, if this thing didn't win some Emmys, like, I am flabbergasted. Because I feel like the level of writing on it was amazing. Yeah, like, I have no complaints about that. No. How how are you dealing with that season two finale? The finale didn't hit me too hard. I think knowing that you guys had talked about that something big happens in the end was enough for me to be like, okay, well, there's something coming up. Now, what you guys didn't prepare me for was the episode where Johnny reunites with all of his buddies. And, spoiler alert, one of them is dying of cancer and dies on their little road trip together. Good lord. And, and you guys, you guys know that's real too, right? Yeah, I read some of the trivia, and it turns out, yeah, he was he was legit sick, so they just wrote it into the script, and then came up with this crazy uh, like opportunity to put that into the story and have it affect Johnny and stuff, and then yeah, then apparently the dude died in real life, like last September. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, no complaints whatsoever. I uh, I cannot wait till season three comes out, and I'm kind of bummed that it's so far away. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid COVID. Yeah, but it, yeah, it kind of sucks. It does. What are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, I loved it. I loved, I love the fact that everybody in this show is flawed in some way. Um, yep. Like I said, it takes takes the black and white movie and just completely makes everything shades of gray. Like Johnny's intention for restarting Cobra Kai, like makes sense and it's good intentions. But when he starts out, he just goes about it completely the wrong way. And then yep. you've got Daniel, who's turns out he's a giant douchebag, and I was kind of baffled by the fact that after like five episodes in. I'm just like, this is crazy, but I just realized they're both stuck in 1985. Yeah. As much as, like, Johnny's literally stuck where he calls everything badass and still drives a Pontiac Firebird and apparently his favorite movie is Iron Eagle. 
like Dan and is you know built his life around I I almost won this tournament and lost and that's ruined my life forever but then you've got Danny who's owns a car lot and his big part of marketing is hey remember that championship that I won twice yeah that's literally how he sells cars and I'm just like he's still stuck too like even though he's like rich now and owns all these car lots and has a nice family it still really just comes back to yeah I I, I won this tournament twice and that was a big achievement in my life that I can't let go of it's it's yeah. And I do like how the show manages to call out the ridiculousness of the fact that these guys are both obsessed with this karate <laughs> tournament. Like every now and again, they just drop hints to it, and you're just like, yeah, good. It knows, right? And therefore, no, it yeah. doesn't expect the audience to care about this tournament as much as the characters do. Yeah. No, I love do, I love one of the episodes. Do they know each other? Oh, they have rival karate dojos. Uh, yeah. Oh, they have warring karate dojos, and they just sit down and start eating. It's just like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, that sounds really stupid. <laughs> and then I almost like feel bad for Johnny, which I mean you're supposed to, but even like all the way towards the end of season two, where it's like they'll have that moment where they're out on a date and they run into Daniel and his wife and they end up having a great evening. And he's finally like moving past it by the time that night is over. Like, everything, like, oh, I feel so good for him. He doesn't, like, that's not going to hang over his head anymore. He's finally let that go. And then, of course, something ridiculous will happen. And it's like, well, that's all fucked up again. God. Well, it's, yeah. and it's one of those ones, too, where you're like, when a character's life is all screwed up because they're doing the wrong thing, but when its life gets screwed up just because he's so dumb... There's times where it's like you do kind of feel bad for him on that level. Like he builds that whole karate dojo and then they're like, uh, you have to get safety inspections done before you can open a business. He seems to have no idea that that's what goes on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how did you not know that? Or like having a handshake deal with the landlord and then being shocked when the rent goes up. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is how it works, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved... And I think, like you pointed out, just, like, their attention to detail on stuff is incredible. Like, I just can't believe some of the stuff that they, even some of the actors, like, all of his buddies come back. And I don't think most of them are even actors anymore, but, you know, they just call them up like, hey, you want to do this? And they're like, oh, sure, I'll come back, why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Then all the Mr. Miyagi not being there stuff chokes me up I and then I fucking I legitimately think I cried like five times throughout this entire entire two seasons that's fair yeah I, I really liked in the scene where the uh, the Cobra Kai friends come back and they're in the bar drinking mm -hmm. and he mentions that uh, Crease is back mm -hmm. and you just they all kind of like share that look that's the look of whenever you have a friend who's in like a really toxic relationship or <laughs> has like an abusive relative or something. They're like, yeah, you know, but they're family. I got to give them another chance. And everybody's like, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Uh, and then you get a good old bar fight too, which is amazing. A Kung Fu bar fight. 
the throwback music to this is amazing. The, uh, I don't know. When, when people are asking Johnny about stuff and he, his answer usually is just, I don't know, just make a badass. And that's like his description of everything. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So if you haven't caught up on Cobra Kai yet, it's a high recommend from all three of us. Oh, yeah. If you have caught up on it, I'd watch it again. It's worth it. <laughs> just, just rewatch it and get ready for season three whenever, whenever that finally comes out. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right. Well, next week, I mean, we're in the middle of the theme month, so it should be no surprise. We're going to be talking about House 2, the second story. And Amityville to the possession. Yeah. I'm saying with question marks because I can't remember. Period question mark period. Anyways, the theme for next week is uh, sequels that have a reputation for having surpassed the original. So we'll see if that holds up or not. Oh, there you go. Already, uh, already assuming that this one's going to be better than. Uh, or the, this Amityville is going to be better than the last Amityville? That's my... That's, yes, let's go with that. <laughs> I absolutely believe that, Brian. <laughs> what are you implying? Uh, I don't know. It might be. I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, I've never seen any of the Amityville sequels. They were, like, they, they were the kinds of movies that just... When you'd go into the video store in the 80s and look at the box art, you'd go, ooh, I think this is dumb. I better not get this. <laughs> so, so now, 40 years later, I'll, I'll watch and see how it goes. Well, Diane, Diane Franklin's in this. So at least has that going for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some more Haunted House movies and more, uh, well, again, as Noah pointed out, is it... it is the house franchise really haunted house movie or is it just house is a dick movies? I was going to say is it's not even the same house. Nope. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. House. Spoiler alert. The, the, all four of the house movies all have different houses. Oh, I've never seen past two. So we'll see. Yeah, I do. I do know house two is the, the best uh, Crystal Skull movie ever, too. So. Uh, that is very true. It's, it's also the only Crystal Skull movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one's going to be a lot of fun. Once we get to House 3 and Amityville 3, I don't know if fun is what we're going to keep using, but I guess we'll find out. We'll have lots of time to talk about those Universal movies you're getting caught up on. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, there haven't been a lot of movies in the world that were named blah, 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 3D that ended up being awesome. <laughs> oh, come on. Friday the 13th 3? So Friday the 13th 3D uh, is iconic for a couple reasons, mm -hmm. but... It also has trash ass 3D effects in it. <laughs> My favorite thing about Friday the 13th 3D is watching it in 2D. And so many shots are just made for 3D. <laughs> and they don't make sense out of context, but yeah, we're just going to do this anyway. The oh. whole thing where a yo yo comes right at the camera. That'll be fun. I have to check and see if I got the 3D version on one of my uh, box sets for 
Friday the 13th. So remember my friend said he's never seen past Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't see past Friday the 13th Part 2 and then saw Jason Goes to Hell. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? It's your life, man. So maybe we'll have to watch the the, the 3D version of Friday the 13th 3. So oh, we can yeah. get the full, full effect. Oh, I, wish will... a, I wish there was a way they could go back and clean up the old school 3D movies mm-hmm. and make them into the modern 3D that doesn't have all the color distortion. Um, they've done it with some movies, but I don't know uh, specifically off the top of my head. But I know they've done done that to some, but whether it's good or not, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, and Becky and Meg Ryan are in Amityville 3. Come on, it's got to be good. Yeah, I don't see what could go wrong, except for the fact that it's Amityville 3. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that's a good movie, is there? I can't even imagine. Well, a reporter moves into the ominous Long Island house to debunk the recent supernatural events and finds himself besieged by the evil manifestations, which are connected to a hellspawn demon lurking in the basement. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be fine. (laughs) Well, like, plot-wise, that makes as much sense as anything. I wasn't worried that the plot was going to be a lot different from Guy Moves in the House, House is Haunted. Uh, This one's an hour and 45 minutes, so it's about 15 minutes uh, shorter than the original. Yeah. We'll see. So We'll We'll get get there. there. Yeah. This is going to be a rough end of the month. (laughs) Uh, I'm just, I'm just assuming by the time I watch house four and Amityville four, um, we're going to be glad that months are only four weeks long. So of all the things to be great, it's 2020. You got to find the little things to be happy about well, months were four weeks long. Yeah, months were five weeks long. That would suck. Uh, it's going to be October 28th, and they're going to announce the release of fucking House 5 on October 33rd. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> like, William Cat comes back again for some unknown reason. He's just still wearing that sweater. That fucking giant V-neck. God, that upset me. Uh, yeah, I, I had some people over, like, a couple years ago when we watched House, and I think House 2. And he was wearing, he had that shirt, and we called it the deepest V-neck ever. So we would just refer to it as the deepest V. That's fair. I <laughs> can't be right. Everyone knows Nomad has the deepest of the Vs. He's a man with no country, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that movie, so I can't tell you. Oh, you're thinking you're talking not, about the Captain America. Yeah. Yeah, the Captain America horrible costume. Oh my god, he's got a V all the way from his chest pubes down to his ball fro. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.